Amen. And because of our Savior, we have that freedom, that peace, that joy. And we rejoice in that today. Take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to be looking at verses 50, 58. But before we do that, I thought, you know, it's a good time. I don't know if you're this way, but about this time of the year, I get a little bit reflective. Kind of go back and evaluate what's gone in on in, in the life of my family and the ministry and my own personal life. And I was just kind of just, I'm just wanted to read off here a list of just some of the things that we've been able to do and enjoy as a church family. Some of the things we've gone through as a church in the last year. This past year, we've had another series of our men's leadership class. By the way, thanks to Pastor Sweat for preaching for me on Wednesday night. Um, I was not able to be here uh, and um, really have, am so excited just to be back in church with you guys this morning. Um, I thank him for that. But uh, Pastor Sweat uh, teaches a 12-week uh, class on Wednesday nights. He and I will handpick men, recruit them for this 12-week leadership class. And uh, so we had another one of those. I think that's the third or fourth one that we have done. Average class size is 12 to 15 men. And so uh, I just appreciate that ministry that Pastor Sweat has had in helping to invest in the spiritual leadership of our men. We've had, we held uh, two evening ladies' Bible studies, one morning ladies' book series. We had multiple series with Embrace Grace, at Cornhole Outreach, Sunday night series on the family by Pastor Sweat this summer. Uh, Sunday night Bible Institute series, had our men's retreat and revival meetings with Rich Tozier. Uh, we had a weekend workshop for our choir with Brian Holloway. We had the Hudson wedding and the Dulcio wedding. Enjoyed the ministry of the BJU trombone ensemble. Had outreach booths at both Grayson Days and Lilburn Days. Uh, had a three-on-three basketball tournament outreach, IBBI mission trips to Maranatha and Redcliffe Bible Camp. Brain homeschool group activities. A VBS, Fall Festival, multiple music academy activities, Frontline, Summer Kids Club, youth group events, including missions trip to Germany with the Wilsons, Underground Church, and the Teen Fall Retreat. Had under, uh, anniversary Sunday with Rob Straup with our special uh, love offering for Compassion for Ukraine. Monthly men's breakfast, lighting project of our auditorium renovation, finally complete, praise the Lord. Uh, grief share. Financial Peace University, baby showers, multiple prime timers activities, annual ladies conference, care group meetings, couples retreat at the wilds, Pastor Blake's ordination, presentations by various visiting missionaries in the Hearst retirement, and uh, Pastor Blake moving into that administrative pastoral role. It's been a year of outreach, transition, and challenge. It's also been a year of spiritual growth. We've seen some in our church family, that the Lord has moved away to other places, and we've seen God bring people in and add them to our church family. Not knowing the timing of our Lord's return in the rapture, we look forward to serving the Lord, growing in Christ, and reaching others with the gospel in 2024. And so I want us, this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 to 58. And I just want to point out some things from this passage that I trust will be a help to you. Let me summarize the first part of chapter 15. The first, Paul takes the first half of 1 Corinthians 15 to testify to the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, to proclaim that there is a resurrection from the dead, to exhort the Corinthian believers to witness boldly and live holy lives based on the confident expectation of our bodily resurrection, 
and to address the question of the nature of our resurrected bodies. There's a question in verse 35 where the question is, well, if we do raise up, well, what kind of, what's that, our, that glorified body going to be like? Now, we read this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. One of, the, one of the things there is that we have this desire, not that our soul would be naked or not clothed with a physical body, but that we would be clothed upon with a glorified body. And so one of the most often asked questions that I get when it comes to regarding heaven is, well, do people, when they die... And go to heaven, believers, when they die and go to heaven, do they have an bo- actual physical body? Because we know that according to scripture, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible talks about how the dead are going to be raised and they're going to have an incorruptible, undefiled body. And so we know their soul and body, that glorified body, will be united at that time. So do we get a loner body now? And that just seems to be one of those concerns. And that comes out of that 2 Corinthians 5 passage where we desire not to be not to be our, our soul to be naked or not clothed upon, but to be clothed with an immortal body. And we understand in the wonderful promise that we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is that God has that in store for us. And the admonition, the practical admonition we're going to get to in the last couple of verses of this chapter is that because we have that confidence, because of what we have to look forward to, here's how we need to be living now. And here's the way that we can live in a confident walk with Christ now based upon what he's done for us on the cross. And what he did for us on the cross assures our future and should transform our present day. So we're going to be looking at those things. Well, the rapture is described for us in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we find out that this takes place in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. (coughs) Excuse me. But I want you to see something very interesting in verse 50. Paul writes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, Now this I say... That flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. These sin-cursed bodies, these decaying bodies, are not equipped to live for eternity with God. So how will God make it possible for us to enjoy eternity with him forever, especially realizing that we have the desire for our soul to be clothed upon? And the answer is that God has prepared for us a glorified body. And that glorified body is actually described throughout the first half of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you've not studied that in a while, I'd encourage you to go back and look at it um, because he begins to answer that. Uh, question, well, what are these heavenly bodies? What is this glorified body like? And I guarantee you, I, I tell you, based on the fact that Christ in his resurrected body had an actual physical body, he said, handle me and see, for spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. Jesus also, uh, when he came into the disciples' midst in the upper room, asked, have ye any meat? And they gave him broiled fish and he ate in their presence. Spirits don't eat. Jesus has a glorified body, and when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall have glorified bodies 
also actual physical glorified bodies that are qualitatively different than the bodies that we have now. These sin-cursed bodies are not fit for eternity with God. So God's going to give us one that is. God will instantaneously, instantaneously give us qualitatively different bodies. Not only does Jesus come for us at the sound of the trumpet, but also at its sound, all the saints whose bodies were dead are raised with new bodies, and all saints whose bodies are alive will be transformed. Look with me in verse 15, or excuse me, chapter 15, verse 51. We call this the nursery verse. Behold, I show you all a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. That word changed literally means to make different. The idea is of an absolute and complete difference. It's not just that this physical body gets some sort of an overhaul. It is a completely different body. We are completely, it is completely made new. And it is a glorified body. And Paul has spent much time in the previous verses saying, listen, the physical body is different from this glorified body. This present body is different. We're going to have a body that is incorruptible and undefiled. You know, I was thinking this week, we've got Steve Minio. For those of you that may have not heard yet, if you didn't get the, um, the congregational email to start praying for Steve, uh, please let the church office know that you didn't get that. If we should have an email address for you, we want you to be in on that so that when one of the pastors sends out a congregational email so that you can pray that, that you're getting that and you can join us in prayer. Uh, but Steve's leukemia is back. And um, it is attacking, we believe, through his spine. Um, and so there's a lot they're going to be going through. Matter of fact, Steve's going to be going through the next 11 days of chemo treatments. Um, they're not sure what else they're going to have to do. Uh, I know that uh, the possibility of another bone marrow transplant is not yet out of the picture. They haven't ruled that out yet. That's a possibility. Isn't it going to be amazing someday when we are in heaven together, you and me and Steve, and Steve has a glorified body that's not going to ever have leukemia again? Isn't it going to be wonderful Folks, how many of you, like me, you've gone through whatever's been going around, this sickness, this Christmas sickness we've had? Yeah, some of you. All right, I know some people. I know the Rothers have COVID. I know there's some other people. You've had the flu. Some of you have just had this upper respiratory thing, and it seems to hang on and be a pain. You know what? Someday we're not going to have to mess with that, are we? Someday there's not going to be any of that. Some of you have experienced excruciating pain through physical difficulties. I think of people like Gloria Hall, who's struggling every day is another day where she must rely on the grace of God to get through the struggle of daily existence. And someday she's going to have a glorified body. We're going to have glorified bodies. Have you ever said, man, I wish I just had more energy. I wish I had a sharper mind. I wish I had more that I could do to serve God. Someday when we have that glorified body, we will. And that's going to be one of the pleasures and joys is that with ceaseless... A boundless energy. We are going to be able through all the ages of eternity to worship our God and to praise Him and to serve Him. But you know, that happened because Jesus conquered sin and death for us. 
Look, if you would, with me back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look in verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death and sin are finally fully conquered and consumed. This is true, though, only for those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. But what a wonderful thing that death and sin are conquered and consumed, swallowed up, gone, defeated. There'll be no more outbreaks. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. Strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone has said you can be born once and die twice. Or you can be born twice and die once. You see, in John chapter 3, Jesus said to a religious man, a religious ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, can I enter my mother's womb again the second time and be born? And Jesus said, no, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. You see, there must come that time when you, just like you received physical life, when you were born, you received physical life. It was not something that you earned or that you could work. It's a miracle of God. Physical life is a gift. So also is eternal life. It is a gift that you receive by faith. Have you received that gift? Have you been born again? If you've only been born once physically, but you have not been born again by the Spirit, that is, the Holy Spirit convinces you uh, that you're a sinner, that Jesus is the Savior, that he died and rose again for you, and you turn to Jesus as the living Savior and receive forgiveness of sin and victory over death. And victory over eternal death, not just physical death. You can do so today. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, And if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. But for us who are saved, as we face 2024, we don't know what we're going to face, do we? I think there are going to be a lot of great opportunities in 2024 to serve the Lord. I also think there's going to be a lot of great opportunities for spiritual growth. And you know where most spiritual growth comes through? Trials. Challenges. Whether it is a personal trial of some difficulty in our lives, or whether it is some challenge where we believe God is calling us to do some particular ministry, and as we venture in that ministry, realizing we're in spiritual warfare, we're going to face opposition, not only outwardly from the enemy, but our own sinful flesh sometimes is going to get lazy and resistant, and we're, having, we're in spiritual war. But it is a time when we can rely further on the grace of God, dig deeper into the Word of God, Pray more fervently. Draw closer to our Savior in this coming year. We already have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is conquered for us. 
We're going to have a glorified body. We're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. So how does that translate to the present? By the way, um, another plug for Pastor Blake. Uh, we're going to be starting uh, on Wednesday nights, and, and you'll know when. We'll announce it ahead of time. But, but in just a couple of months, we're going to start on Wednesday nights doing a 12-week series. I'm going to do New Beginnings class for 12 weeks. And Pastor Blake's going to be doing a series uh, on Bible prophecy and times. You know one of the neat things about Bible prophecy is that, that it is never given in Scripture merely to inform us of what's going to happen in the future. There is always a present-day application. You say, well, what do you mean? One illustration of that, the book of Revelation, right? When you think of prophecy, you think of the book of the Revelation. What are the first couple of chapters? The letters to the seven churches. And, and Christ's exhortation to the pastors to those churches before they even gets into all of the prophecy of what's going to be happening. So there's always a present day application for this. So here it is, folks. Look at this. In, in these verses from 51 to 58 specifically, I look forward to what God has in store for me because of what Christ did for me. But that ought to change the way that I live for him right now. And how is that? Look with me, verse 57, or excuse me, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Because of the victory that Christ gives us over sin and death, we can be steadfast. Interesting, the word steadfast literally means to be sitting. It, it's the picture of someone who can sit in peaceful confidence, not having to jump up at every sound, not running around in panic, not pacing the floor with worry, not wavering in doubtfulness. Have you ever met somebody, not just because they were a high-energy person so they couldn't sit still, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about somebody that was always worried. What's that sound? I got to go and check it out. Someone's in the driveway. Someone's in the backyard. Someone's trying to break in. I just know it, you know. Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, you know, I wonder what someone so is saying about me. I better go over there, you know. Uh, wait a minute. Wait. And there's this kind of this unrest that is always, I wonder what they're saying about me. I wonder what's going on over there. I wonder what, you know, I wonder what's happening. And there's, there's this unrest because there's this desire for us somehow to be in control of all of these things. And folks, listen, because of what Christ did for us and what he has in store for us, we can be sitting at peace. In Mark chapter 5, there's the maniac of Gadara. What was the maniac of Gadara before he met Christ? This demon-possessed man, how's his life described? He ran through the tombs, a naked man. They often bound him with fetters and chains, not only for the safety of the townspeople, but I think for his own safety. They tried to bind him with fetters and chains. But with that superhuman strength, he broke those fetters and the chains, and he'd run through the tombs screaming and crying and cutting himself with stones. And what was the evidence? When those demons were cast out and the man put his faith in Jesus, what is the evidence. How is he described? Sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And folks, there's so much going on around us. 
And there are so many commentaries and interpretations on what's going on around us that you may be constantly checking your news feeds and reels to see what people are thinking about what's happening. And maybe there are some people here and because of this worry and because of this unrest and because you want to be so prepared for the next thing, you, you're, you've always got to be listening to, 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 to news, talk radio, and this thing, that thing. And there's always this unrest in your spirit. Hey folks, may I remind you that part of the fruit of the spirit is peace? <coughs> and that here, I'm sitting not in laziness, not in indecision, but I am able to sit in peace steadfast because my security is in the one who's already conquered death for me and who has promised me an immortal, eternal, incorruptible body where I shall spend eternity with him. So no matter what happens this year, I can be steadfast. I can run under the shadow of God's wings for protection. I have the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the comforter, who isn't just with me, he is in me. And I have the promises of the word of God, the living word of God, to which I can cling and to which I can claim And those promises are both for the future and for my right now needs. So I can be steadfast. And then because of the victory of Christ that he gives us over sin and death, we can be unmovable. The word unmovable means to stand your ground. It is stronger, a stronger word even than the word steadfast. Steadfast carries the idea of not being moved because of internal wishy-washiness or worry. Whereas unmovable carries the idea of not being pushed, shoved, dragged, or intimidated by others in your spiritual walk. So that I can stand steadfast in the truth. This word for unmovable really is a military term. And it's talking about a, a fortified position that is so strong that the enemy can't overrun it, can't push you back. You can hold that ground. And it's because of the enemy. See, steadfast has to deal with my internal struggles of worry, concern, fret, wanting to be in control, wanting to be informed so I know what's coming, so I can plan, and I, yeah, 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 where's my confidence, in God or in me? But unmovable has to understand, listen, there are enemies of the truth that are always going to attack the truth. Ivy and I were talking last night. She was in a text conversation with a friend, and she and I were talking last night about it. It was a spiritual nature, and I said there are two things, the two main targets that Satan in this world attacks. It is Jesus Christ, the person and work of Jesus Christ, and it's the word of God. Those are the two main things. Why? Because Jesus is the living word, and the scriptures are the written word. They are truth. Jesus is the word made flesh. 
And so Satan, who's the father of lies, will always attack the truth. And he tries to rattle and shake the confidence of believers in the truth of God's word. And he does all he can to try to discredit the name of Christ. And if he can intimidate us, if he can attack us, if he can get us to back off and to compromise, to give up or back away, then we are losing ground instead of remaining unmovable. You know, I think sometimes Christians think that there's such a thing as a spiritual timeout. One of the things that when I was a youth pastor, we often did with uh, our teenage guys was we would play paintball. Um, I, it got to the point where I didn't let the guys and the girls play paintball because the girls always wanted to be on one team against the guys and the girls inevitably, inevitably would shame the guys. I mean, they were so aggressive uh, that the guys, I mean, it was just embarrassing. So I would take the guys, you know. Um, and, and we would play paintball. And uh, when you get hit, you're supposed to put your paintball gun over your call marker, put that over your head and say, dead man walking like this. And if some wise guy on the other team shoots you when you're vulnerable like that, then uh, usually the, the, the place where you're playing, the local field or whatever, they would actually have a certain penalty. Like that guy could uh, stand 20 feet from you and shoot you five times point blank for that. You know, there are all kinds of stuff like that because it really does hurt. And, uh, you know, what? I think that sometimes Christians think they can put their, their, their Christian sword and, and shield and armor over their head and say, hey, dead man walking. You know, I'm kind of tired of this right now. I just need some me time. And, uh, and so Satan, don't attack me right now because I'm vulnerable. And so, um, I, you know, dead man walking here. And Satan's going to say, oh, OK, I'll give you a break. And when you're ready, let me know. And then we'll have time in. and I'm going to attack you again. Now, we, we know that's silly, right? You're, you're snickering at that. And yet, I think that a lot of us, that's the way we live. And we think that there are times when we can take a break and have a time out. But folks, God wants us to hold the line. Matter of fact, he wants us to cast down imaginations and every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God wants us to gain ground, not lose it. And what, gain, what ground God allows us to gain for him, he wants us to hold it for him. And he gives us the power of his Holy Spirit and his grace and the wisdom of the word and the promises and an eternal future. You realize every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And do you realize that in the mind of our eternal God, it's already done? Because God is Alpha and the beginning and the He's already at the end of the story. As a matter of fact, he exists beyond the end because he's eternal. Therefore, we can be steadfast, unmovable. One more thing. Look at this. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And look at this wonderful encouragement for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This word to abound literally means to superabound. It means to be overflowing. It means over and above or to exceed. Have you ever heard somebody say, uh, or you heard the phrase to go all out? Man, they just really went all out. You know, maybe it was Christmas. Some people are just Christmas people, and you, you drive by their house and you can tell. They go all out, man. They have all kinds of those inflatables and lights and everything. They go all out, right? Maybe you've heard someone, coaches say, uh, <laughs> or excuse me, uh, they really outdid themselves. 
That's kind of the idea here, is that we are to superabound in the work of the Lord. The words work and labor, the word work has the nuance of putting in a great effort. And the word labor carries the idea of working till, till exhaustion. Like they wore themselves out. Sometimes coaches will say, leave nothing on the field or give 110%. Right? You've heard those things. That is the idea. Folks, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Began to think, you know, my grandma lived to be 105 years of age. My grandma was born before the end of World War I. Several months before World War I ended. My grandma lived a long life, didn't didn't she? But in the scope of time from creation to now, that's just a snap of the fingers. Now go a little bit farther beyond that in light of all time, and we don't know how much farther time is going to extend yet into the future. But what a brief moment our lives are. So let's, while we can, superabound in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Nothing that we do out of a love for Jesus Christ will be unnoticed or unrewarded by him. Everything we do for Christ has lasting value. You know, Christ may come back in 2024. We may face great challenges, be entrusted with great opportunities, or come under great danger in the new year. But God is there. He has already secured our eternity so that we can freely and confidently invest whatever time we have left in this present age. Let's make every effort, take every opportunity, and invest everything we can in God's kingdom. We may be ushered into his very presence sooner than we think. Let's bow our heads for prayer this morning. We do not know what the future holds, but we know who's in the future. We know who's in control of the future. And so this morning with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, we're just going to have a simple invitation, just a, not a come forward invitation, just where you remain seated as our pianist begins to play in just a minute. I want to invite you to go before the Lord and if you have received this victory over sin and death because you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, would you rejoice in that today? Would you thank God and just worship Him? Would you just be in awe that this perfect and eternal God would love somebody like you and somebody like me and save us? How incredible is mercy, grace, and love. If you've not... If you're not sure, I would encourage you to pray this to God and say, God, I don't think I have that gift of eternal life. Those promises, that eternal future the pastor was talking about, I'm not sure that that that's in my future. But God, I'm concerned about my soul. Would you show me your truth, make it clear to me, and I'll respond to it by faith. If you mean that, would you... Quietly, while our pianist plays in just a moment, would you pray that and draw near to God? And for all of us who are believers, 
Maybe there's been something you've been struggling with and this morning you just need to get back anchored to Christ and anchored to the word and be steadfast, unmovable and abound in the work of the Lord. Maybe there's some, some concern, some worry over the uncertainty of the future that has been holding you back from going all out in your service to the Lord. Would you step out by faith and say, listen, if God's taking care of my eternal future by what he did in the past, he can take care of my today. And that frees me to serve him without reservation. And would you just pour out your heart to the Lord in that commitment this morning? As our pianist now plays, would you pray and do business with the Lord? Mm-hmm.